Welcome to Calvary Albuquerque. We pursue the God who is passionately pursuing a lost world. We do this with one another. Through worship, by the word, to the world. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. And when I consider your heavens, the work of your hands, the sun and the moons, the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you would take thought of him, or the son of man that you would even care for him? You have made man just a little lower than God and yet crowned him with great glory and set him over the work of all of your hands. So, Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8. Father, how majestic is your name. You are God. And what is man that you would even care Help us this day, Lord, to understand what you have said for your sake. Amen. I told somebody earlier, one of the things I do is I talk about how to do speeches and put stuff together and alliterate and you get your first and second point in illustrations. And, and I'm going to break every rule tonight because I'm not going to do any of it. So here we go. Psalm 8, the glory of God. O Lord, our God, how majestic is your name. Now, name wasn't just like Bob. It's a name meant something. A name contained a title. It's it's like the strong one or the mighty one. A name meant more than just a designation like Bob or Bill or Kim or Sue. There was There was something to it. There were also what they call compound names where you would have, oh, Bob the butcher, Bob the baker, Bob the candlestick maker. So God would be God something who would show up at different times in people's lives when things were going wrong and there were problems and and someone's life was falling apart. It's like, God's not here. And he says, I'm the God who sees. And it would be a compound name. Now, I'm not going to go through every one of the verses, but David is looking at this. How excellent is your name? We get to the New Testament when the disciples say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. These were good Jewish boys. They knew these names. We just say, oh, the name, God. Oh. Yahweh. Who should I say sent me, says Moses? Yahweh. I am. Wow. Abba. Papa. Adonai, the Lord, El, the mighty God, the strong one, the prominent one, Elohim, plural of majesty, God Almighty, creator, mighty and strong, El Elyon, the most high, strongest God, El Gifor, the mighty one, El Olam, the everlasting God, from everlasting to everlasting, God. That's pretty good. El Roi. The God who sees and cares and knows. El Shaddai, the mighty one, God Almighty. Yahweh Yiri, God is your provider. Yahweh Rapha, God is your healer. Yahweh Nisi, God is your banner. 
Yahweh M. Kadesh. It is God who makes you holy. Yahweh Shalom. God is your peace. Yahweh Elohim. The Lord God. The Lord God Almighty. Ooh, I like that. That's a good name. Yahweh Sitkanu. The Lord is your righteousness. Yahweh Rohi. The Lord is your shepherd. Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there. Surely God was in this place. I did not know it. Yahweh Shammah. Yahweh Sabaoth. The number one name for God. The Lord of armies. Yeah. You remember that little story? You got Elijah there and his servant. He goes out and sees all those people on the side. Oh, Elijah, we're in trouble. He says, oh, God, open his eyes. He goes out and he sees the armies of God. He goes, oh, they're in trouble. Oh, they're in trouble. Yahweh Sabaoth is your God. The Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. He's got titles too. He calls himself the creator, the ancient of days, your deliverer, the holy one, the father, the omnipotent one, the eternal, the infinite, the king of ages, the immortal, the invisible, the immutable, the incomparable, the inscrutable, the unfathomable, the unsearchable. The father of glory, the father of lights, the father of mercies, the judge, the judge of all, the judge who will do what is right. Your rock, the rock of your refuge, the rock of your salvation, the rock of your strength, your redeemer, your shepherd, your king, your king who gives glory, the king of ages, immortal, invisible, and he is love. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So what is man that you would think of him? You see, man is both the greatest of God's creation and yet the most vile. We are created in the image of God. And God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And in the image of God created he man. The pinnacle of his earthly creation. The image of God. And yet we are the most perverse. For the wrath of God is revealed, says Paul, Romans 1. From heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men and women who suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifested within them, for God has already shown it to them. When people say, well, there are people who've never heard about God. Oh, yes, they have. For since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes are clearly seen, be understood, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. They are without excuse because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful for him being God, but became futile in their thoughts, their foolish hearts darkened, professing themselves to become wise. They became fools and worshiped the creature more than the creator. And God gave them over to the vileness of their hearts. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. and We are the most vile creatures on earth. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, your titles, and this great contradiction that you would love us. Verse 2, out of the mouths of babes you perfected, Psalm 8, verse 2, out of the mouths of babes you perfected, perfected praise. From, from the smallest minutia, God brings his glory. Verse 3, 
the heavens, the works of your fingers. How vast are the universes? We can't even calculate, and they get millions and millions in solar systems and, and, and throw all these slides up. The fact is, it is majestic and mighty and bigger than we can imagine. So God knows the minuscule, he knows the majestic, but this is what it's about, verse 8. So what is man that you are mindful of him, take thought of him? The son of man that you would care for him? For you have made him a little lower than God. Some translations say angels, that's not right. You have made him a little lower than Elohim. Paul tells us we will judge angels. That's not our position now. We are created in the image of God. Not in the image of angels. The pinnacle. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. The sheep, the oxen, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. All that passes through the seas. So God loves man. We cannot understand how much he cares for the minutiae, the infinite and perfects praise and yet is in control of the massive moon and the stars and the heavens. And it's all nothing because you're in his image and it was made for you. How majestic is your name. So what does it mean to take thought of man? The idea is God loves you. That's what it's all about. God loves you. Romans 5, verse 6. God's love is causeless. When we were without strength in rebellion against God, running, Christ died for us. He didn't die for me because I was good. He died for me because I was godless. He didn't die for me because I was pursuing him. He died for me because I was running from him. God's love is causeless. I did not cause it. God is love. Romans 5, 6. God's love is causeless. He loves you because he's God and he wants to. That's it. But I've been bad. So? (laughs) That's why he died. God's love is measureless. Verses 7 and 8 of Romans 5. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet perhaps or peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. But God proved his love toward us, demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do we measure such love? Paul would say, get this whole thing, I was a Jew, I was a Hebrew, I spoke this, I was a Pharisee, I did all He says, and all these things that I thought were good for me, as concerning the law, I was blameless. I was better than all the other religious people. All that stuff was dung compared to the righteousness of Christ. Isaiah would say, now Isaiah was kind of priestly family, Old Testament. He said, all of my righteousness were filthy, unclean rags. And these were men who were living good lives. That could say, I was blameless. I've never broken the law. I've always been good. I had nothing. Jesus, his love for us is measureless in that he died for us while we were his enemies. Causeless, measureless, ceaseless. Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified, past tense, 
by his blood, we shall be saved, future tense, from wrath through him. Now, I want to stop before I finish this verse. The people in Galatia had a problem. So Paul writes a letter. He starts out really nice. He says, oh, you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you should be so easily deceived and removed from the true gospel that we preach to you? By the way, the one that is preaching that other gospel, something that we didn't preach, they should be accursed, which means damned in hell. As we just said, so I'm repeating, those who preach another gospel, let them be damned to hell. That's Paul's words. Then he goes on and talks about the gospel. How is it that those of you who were perfected by faith, and this is the idea, I am nothing. I threw myself down and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He said, I got you. Because that's our God. How is it that those of you who are perfected, saved through faith, now you try to perfect yourselves by worth, it's by works. It's like, God loved me while I was a sinner, but now that I'm a Christian, he's always angry with me and upset with me because I can never do it right. Those foolish Galatians. I sure am glad that we don't act like that. (laughs) That we don't have a problem like God's always angry with us now that we're his children. Let me go back to this verse. Much more than... Okay, remember I'm a sinner and he loves me? And he saved me because I threw myself down and said, I am worthless, would you save this worm? And he said, yes, I will. Much more than... Having now been saved, justified, declared righteous, made a child of God by the blood of Christ, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. In other words, he started it, he's going to finish it. Oh, you foolish Galatians, stop fretting. It's God's work. He's going to take care of his business. Let me finish the verse. For... If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Remember, he ever lives to make intercession for us? It's like, guys, it's a done deal. If he did it, he's going to do it. It's going to be done. Yeah, I like that. Go for it. And not only that, geez, Paul, slow down. But we also rejoice in God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received this reconciliation. In other words, we're not at war. By the way, the Galatians thought, I was at war with God and he saved me. And so now I'm his child and I'm always at war with him. Oh, foolish Galatians. We are so much more mature than them. And humble. So God's love is causeless, measureless, ceaseless, and it's not based on our works. Who shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, says Paul, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any created thing shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. His love is causeless, measureless, ceaseless, and is not performance-based. And based on that, God has a few things to say about you. You, know, you ever, hey, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they are talking about you. You know, yours? Yeah? You mind sharing? Okay. Let me share. God said some stuff about you. You want to know what he said? 
I got some of it. You are a child of God. As many as received him, he gave them the right to be children of God. You are a a branch in the true vine, which is a conduit of Christ's life. I am the vine. My father's the vine dresser. You are the branches. You are Jesus' friends. I don't call you servants. I call you my friends. You have been justified and redeemed, being justified, declared righteous freely by his grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. Your old self was crucified with Christ. You are no longer a slave to sin. Knowing this, your old man was crucified with him. You are no longer a slave to sin. Your old man has been done away. You're new. You will not be condemned by God. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. Who is he that condemns you? It's God who justified you. Who says anything against you? It's God who says that you're okay. Mm. You won't be condemned. You've been set free from the law of sin and death. You are a child of God and a fellow heir of Christ. If you are a child of God, you are an heir with Jesus Christ. That means you're his brother. It means everything God's going to give Jesus, he's going to give you. You are an heir with Christ. You've been accepted. Receive one another, just as you have been received by and accepted by God. You know, you've been called a saint. Every letter in the New Testament. To the saints at Corinth. To the saints at Ephesus. To the saints at Philippi. To the saints at Colossae. Now, being a saint, we think, ooh, those are the special people that they have on the candles that we light and leave places. No! What? There are some people here who, you know... We get them cheap at the dollar store because, you know, it's really hot and really cold in the winter. These, are, these candles last all night. Keep the house warm. God bless the fire. So, at any rate, my name's Neil Ortiz. So, if you don't like that, just send me an email. Uh, okay, so, where was I? Um, yeah, same. Yeah, same. Okay, so, the... The priesthood in the Old Testament goes to the potter who makes pots and plates and, you know, things like that and says, we need plates and cups and things for the temple. So the potter has his potting wheel and he makes some cups and plates and stuff and, and, and he gives some to the temple and he's, he's made others. It's the same clay. It's the same potting wheel. It's the same kiln. The fires it. He makes some as a present to his wife because the mama ain't happy. Ain't nobody happy. So, so he's made he's made presents for his wife and his mother-in-law, and got to make Mama happy, you know. And and he gave the others to the temple. But here's the difference: the stuff that was given to the temple is called in the Greek hagias, set apart, holy, saint. Hagias is the same word. It doesn't mean that it was better. It's the same clay. It's the same wheel. It's the same fire. It means that it was set apart for a separate use. So when he says, you're a saint, you're a saint, you're a saint, he doesn't mean, oh, by the way, you're perfect. Because none of us are going to raise our hands. Unless you want to watch the lightning storm. It's, it's, it's just because lightning's cool. Um, uh, we're not saints because we're better. We're saints because we've been set apart by God Almighty for a purpose bigger than ourselves. So you've been called a saint. God still talked about you. I got some of this stuff. You want to know what he said? Okay. He said, 
He said, in Christ you have wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who has been made for you. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Ooh, got some good stuff. He says the Holy Spirit dwells in you when you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? You're the temple of God. It's you. You're God's temple. You are one spirit with God. You will always triumph through Jesus Christ. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, God Almighty, who always leads us into triumph. And we are a sweet-smelling fragrance of His knowledge in every place. Same verse. The hardening of your minds have been renewed, but their minds who rejected Christ were blinded. But that veil God has taken away. God says that you don't have a veil anymore because you can see the truth. If anyone is Christ, he is a brand new creation. All things are passed away. All things are new. You're a new creation. I think, but I blew it. That's why he died. That's why he gave us that verse. It says, if anyone confesses their sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to continue cleansing us from all unrighteousness. It's not about being perfect. I'm not saying sin's okay. I'm saying we all struggle and there are consequences. But God loves you even while you were a sinner. Why would he hate you now that you're his child? You have been made one with all other believers in Jesus Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, slave nor free, male or female. You're all one in Christ. Here's a verse. It's going to sound familiar. Galatians 4, 7. You are no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. Does that sound familiar? Sound like a song we sang? That song took that verse and then found all these other verses and put them together. It's a good song. You've been set free in Christ. Stand fast in the freedom that Christ has set you free. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He chose you in Him before the foundation of the world that you just stand holy and blameless before Him in love. You have been forgiven and redeemed. Your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. You have been predestined to obtain an inheritance and been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. And because of His grace and mercy, you have been made alive again forever. You are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. You have been raised up to be a joint heir. You are on his throne. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That is poema, poem. You are his poetry. God's an artist and you are his expression of art. You have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who are sometimes far away, now you can come in. We can enter into the temple through the blood of Christ and stand in the holies of holies before the Lord God Almighty of heaven and earth and say, Abba. And he doesn't spank us. Well, maybe Eric. Um, I got you. You are a member of Christ's body and a partaker of His promises. Your new self is righteous and holy before God. You are the light of the world. You are the city set on the hill. You are the salt that preserves this earth. You are a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. And the peace of God guards your hearts and minds because He supplies all your needs according to His riches and glory. And you have been made complete in Him and shall be raised in Him.
And your life, though hidden in Christ, will be revealed with Him in glory because you have been chosen to be holy and beloved and elected by God. God is all that. Man is all that. And yet God loves you. So He says that He loves you. And says all those things about you. I, you know, I don't read verses like, and those who are my children, I hate them. I hear, you foolish Galatians, why are you doing this? Take a chill pill. That's not what Paul said. That's kind of a modern translation to rest in the peace of God. By the way, you want a chill pill? Try it. So, given that God loves us, we should love him in return. That's basically what the psalmist is about. But how do you love a God who just loves? Of course, Jesus commands it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The Apostle Paul captures that. He opens up a lot of his letters with prayers about the church. You need to understand what God says about you. You need to hear what he's saying. You need to know you're forgiven. You you need to get this. And so Paul opened a lot of his letters with prayers. I'm going to read four of them, but in reading them, I'm not just reading these. I'm reading these to God. Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, our maker, our redeemer, our friend, our savior, Ephesians 1, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These in accordance with his working and his strength and his might, which he demonstrated through Jesus Christ. Ephesians, again, I pray that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of God and to know that love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I pray, Philippians chapter 1, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless in the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. I pray. Colossians chapter 1, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, being being one who bears fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God, strengthened in power according to his glorious might for the attaining of a steadfast patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Paul got it. Yeah. And there's some saint in uh, the 13th century. He, he, he prayed King James English. It's a very short prayer. He kind of got this too. He said, thanks be to thee, O Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits which you have given us, for all the pains and insults which thou hast borne for us, 
O merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know Thee more clearly, love Thee more dearly, follow Thee more nearly for Thine own name's sake. If God's name is majestic, and though I am this contradiction of greatness and vileness that God loves and talks so wonderfully about. How do I love Him more clearly? Know Him more clearly. Love Him more dearly. And follow Him more nearly. As I'm about to say that, I'm going to let you know that I'm going to be ending in about 10 minutes. Almost 20 minutes earlier than normal. I'm saying that on purpose because the worship team is going to come up here. And we're going to take songs like No Longer Slaves. And we're going to sing them. Because it's not about you listening to me. It's about us knowing what God said, singing these things back to God. Okay? So you're forewarned. Just because they play a note doesn't mean it's exit. It means it's time to... We're going to do this. Oh, Lord, or oh God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. May I know thee more clearly. First part of the prayer. How do I know him more clearly? Answer, spend time with him. Anybody here married? You ever talk to each other? You probably talked to each other before you got married, huh? That's good. Anybody get married and stop talking to each other? My wife. Okay, now let me tell you something very fearful. My wife one night said, we need to talk. Uh Oh. And basically it's like, you've been so busy, we haven't been talking. And I said, what? Wait for the commercial. No, I didn't say that. I, uh, I, I it's a game. No, I, uh, I did not say that. I heard what she had to say and she was right. And I had to make some changes in my life. Because I started to take her for granted. Like she's always there. Of course, I would never do that with God. Just can't take it for granted and not spend time with Him. Right? So, what is time? Time is knowing His Word by spending time in His Word. Time is solitude, getting away from everything and everybody else so that you can focus on Him. Time is prayer. My son gave me an app. I got a phone. It's got this little prayer app on it. And I've got categories of prayer. They're all in code so that nobody understands what I'm praying for. Um, What? You want to lay out all your prayers publicly? Okay. Some stuff is there. Pray for my wife. Bless her. That's printed out. So if she ever finds it, it's like, oh... And then, what's the rest of this? I don't know. Typo. I was doing that talk thing. May we know thee more clearly. How's your time with God? You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. His word is truth. He has magnified his word above his name. How do I know him unless I spend time getting to know him? So I pray, may I know you better. How's How's your reading life? There's a pastor here. I'm going to tell on him. Hi, Terry. <laughs> the other day I was putting something on his computer for him. I, I had the stuff. He needed it. So I'm putting it on his computer. And, and then there's this Bible thing opened. 
And I'm looking at this, at this psalm, and it's like all outlined, like he's teaching. He goes, oh, yeah, I do. Every morning I do devotion with my kids. He's got eight. Every morning I do the devotion with my kids. So I outline a psalm, and I go through it with them. And I'm looking and I say, I don't even outline them that well. It impressed me. Do I do that? So may we know thee more clearly. I spend time. May we love thee more dearly. Well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, you mean obedience? Uh, Yeah. You know? That's really what it's all about. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I had kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. Knowing Him more clearly is spending time. Loving Him more dearly is doing what He says. So I know Him and I say, oh, that's what you said. That's what you want me to do. Okay, check it out. My wife says, would you take out the trash? Spend time with her. You go, girl. (laughs) The trash can's not empty. Agreeing with what she said is not showing love and respect. Doing what she asked is showing love and respect. May I know thee more clearly. This is God's word. It transforms you from the inside out. As newborn babes need the, need milk to grow, so we need the word of God to grow. And, and, and some of us are on a fast. This is not a good fast. Here's, here's, here's the deal you make with yourself. Unless you've read God's word, you can't eat your meal. Let's see how long you go without reading. My son's a grazer. He's not a meal eater. It's all day long. It's like, son, that's good. You need to put some headsets in and you need to play God's word all the time because that's the only way you're going to meet that promise. To know him more clearly is his word. To love him more dearly is to obey. To follow him more nearly. This is my closing verse. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable form of worship. And stop being transformed to the things of this world, but be, I'm sorry, stop being conformed to the things of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind through his word. How do we follow him more nearly? Worship. Presenting myself to him is an act of worship. How do I present myself to him? Well, one of the ways we do that is the sacrifice of our lips, giving praise. Focusing on him rather than myself. Lifting up holy hands in praise. The fruit of my lips giving him honor. I learn his words. And then you find out he's been talking about you. I spend time in his word. I spend time getting to know what he says. I learn his name. I want you to think of this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you were just to stop and take a list of the many names of God and just walk through them one at a time. Before you got to, oh, and by the way, would you give me this? 
What would that do to your prayer life? The God who heals, the God who saves, the God who redeems, the God who is your banner, the God who cares, the God who sees, the God who knows. What a prayer that is. I don't even have time for my own requests. Too busy worshiping. (laughs) What kind of prayer is that? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. If I get the worship team. You have displayed your splendor above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your hands, your fingers, the moon and the stars which you ever ordained, what is man that you take thought of him or the son of man that you would even think about him? You have made man just a little lower than God. You have crowned him with great glory and put him over your work of your creation. Therefore, Galatians 4, 7, you are no longer a slave, but a child of God. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And unto him who is able to keep you from falling keep you from what? Falling? And to present you in the future in the presence of his glory perfected, holy, and without blame with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior to him be glory, honor, dominion, and power now and forever. Amen. What binds us together is devotion to worshiping our Heavenly Father, dedication to studying His Word, and determination to proclaim our eternal hope in Jesus Christ. For more teachings from Calvary Albuquerque and Skip Heitzig, visit calvaryabq.org.